What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spurscast episode 518. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of Spurscast. Because it is a holiday week, it's uh, I wanted to it was, it's kind of tough to get some guests aligned, but then also I just wanted to give the, the staff uh, you know the week off. So I'm gonna go ahead and go through this episode um, solo. Usually when I do solo episodes, it's they're pretty short, but today there's a lot of content I guess or topics that I want to go through even on my own. So a lot of it's gonna be a lot of statistical. Um, analysis and just kind of reading off a lot of numbers and then kind of you as a listener can kind of listen to it in your head and kind of think about you know if, if some of this, these numbers make sense from what you're seeing on, on the court uh, whenever you watch Spurs games so just kind of follow along with me um, through this ride as I go ahead and go through Spurs cast episode 518. So the first topic I want to begin with is recapping the last four games for the Spurs. Uh, they didn't do so well. They went one and three in their last four games a lot of them were on the road uh where they they had some uh, some failures and then they, they did get one win uh in the AT&T center against the Golden State Warriors so let's begin going back to last Wednesday I had a Tom Petrini as my guest last week and he and I both thought that the Spurs would be able to beat the Suns I think a majority of the NBA did too fans should I say media uh because even Vegas because uh, Vegas made the Spurs the favorite that night However, that wasn't the case. Uh, in a surprising loss, the Spurs lost in Phoenix last Wednesday by 20 points, 116-96. Um, this is a weird game. The Spurs fell behind early by 11 with uh, 6.56 left in the first quarter. Then the Suns went went ahead by 19 with 2.06 left in the first quarter. So so right there, you knew the Spurs were going to be in, in, in an uphill battle the rest of the game. San Antonio did cut the Phoenix lead all the way down to 1 with 8.35 left in the third quarter. But then from the third quarter on up until the fourth quarter, Phoenix kind of took control again. And the Suns ended up leading by 24 points with 6.04 left. And that was pretty much your ball game. So they lost to the Suns uh, last Wednesday was their first loss of, the, of these last four games. Then the, the next night they had a back-to-back in Los Angeles against the Clippers. Now in this game, because it was a back-to-back, because the Clippers are, are, are a pretty good team this season, um, and it was on the road. Uh, Vegas had the Clippers as a favorite, so the Spurs were the underdog in this game. Um, the Spurs fought harder in this one than they did in Phoenix, but they ended up losing again. Uh, they lost 116-111 by five points. 
Um, they fell they fell behind early, fell down behind early, should I say, by 14 points with 7.37 left in the second quarter. Um, then they tied the game at 107 with uh, one, 1 minute 13 seconds left. But then the Clippers outscored them uh, in the fourth quarter there, 9-4 uh, to four to end the game in that last 113. So again, the, the Spurs were in a crunch time game there in, the, in Los Angeles against the Clippers. But on the second out of a back-to-back, they just couldn't pull out the win and make that uphill climb. Uh, then on Sunday, the Spurs saw the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors, I should preface this by saying that they were without Stephen Curry, who's out with a groin injury, and without uh, Draymond Green, who has a, who has a toe injury. So they only had uh, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant as their two all-stars on the court. Uh, the Spurs got the win there. They beat the Warriors 104-92 at home in San Antonio. Um, the Spurs led by 18 with uh, 446 left in the third quarter. Golden State uh, got within one point. Uh, with 3:38 left in the game, but then the Spurs ended the game on a 13-2 run. So, so in San Antonio, you saw that the Spurs were more comfortable. Uh, they had that energy energy behind them. They were able to close out a game, um, and and they had their way uh, in terms of finding success against Golden State. Then on Monday, um, in a back to back, on the second night of a back to back, should I say, the Spurs traveled to New Orleans against the Pelicans. Now again, the Spurs were a seven and a half point underdog, so so they they weren't expected to win this game. Um, they ended up losing by 14. The Spurs actually led by 10 with uh, 9.56 left in the second quarter, so they actually had a pretty good lead there by 10 points. But then um, with 2.36 left in the second, the, the, the Pelicans came all the way back um, to, to kind of retake that lead. Uh, with 3.38 left in the third quarter, the, the Pelicans led by 11 points, and then they, the Spurs fell down by 20 in the fourth, and it was pretty much over. Um, so the, the Pelicans held on there for the 14-point win. Coach Pop mentioned how um, in that game, the Spurs kind of ha- they had all that energy in the, in the first half, but they couldn't sustain it for the second half. And one thing that was 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 really bad for San Antonio was their defense in that game, where they gave up 140 points in regulation uh, to New Orleans. So uh, the Spurs went one and three in their last four games, um, mostly again a lot of road games. So that's kind of topic number one, just kind of recapping how how they played after we we previewed those games last week. So now let's go into go into topic number two. And that is the uh, what I what I'm calling the road woes. The Spurs have been having some road woes this year. Uh, at home, they're they're okay. They're six and two this year to start off the year. They're basically um they have a point differential of one point eight at home. Uh, actually, net rating should I say? And at home, they're playing like a forty five point nine win team according to Cleaning the Glass. At home, they they have the twenty second uh, best offense. So their offense falls apart a little bit at home, but it's their defense that 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 takes priority at home in the AT&T center. They're, they're, they're the 10th best defense when in terms of looking at the home um, rankings. Now on the road, it's a different story. They're two and six, very much like last year, having a lot of trouble getting wins on the road. Uh, they have a minus 5.2 net rating on the road. They're basically playing like a 28 and a half win team when they are on the road. Uh, offensively, they're actually better on the road. They're 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 um, scoring 112.2 points per 100, which is fifth in terms of road rankings. But then defensively, they just f- completely fall apart, where they're giving up 117.4 points per 100 possessions, which is 28th um, in terms of road defensive rankings. So again, it's kind of the uh, it's almost opposites. At home, they're they're better defensively, but on the road, they're falling apart defensively. And of course, you know that you know the old the old common saying is basically you have to be able to to hold, play defense on the road to to have your best chance of winning. And that's something that San Antonio just is not doing. So I went through some some of the stats, um, kind of the four factors, and just looked at some of the numbers and seeing you know comparisons. You know how close are they at home and on the road? You know what's really standing out. So let's look at the Spurs' offense first at home. I mean, um, for just first offense in terms of both locations. 
Um, and their effective field goal percentage, they're basically close um, offensively. They shoot pretty much kind of the same on the road and at home. Free throw rate, close again. They're, they're basically getting to the free throw line around the same amount of time. Turnover percentage, it's interesting. They're actually turning the ball over more at home, so they're having more turnover issues uh, in the AT&T Center. And then also offensive rebounding, offensive rebounding percentage, they're not grabbing as many boards uh, when they're on the road, so they're a little bit better on the boards at home. Now, again, that, that goes to the energy of the fans, a lot more excitement behind. You know, when you have your, your fans behind you compared to when, when you're the, when you're the opponent um, on the road. Now let's go look at some of their defensive issues that they're having uh, in both locations. So effective field goal percentage, how well the, the teams are shooting from both the three-point line uh, and, and the two-point range. Um, their, their effective field goal percentage really falls apart on the road where teams are carving them up. They're getting uh, more, more open shots, and, and just their, their, their field goal percentage by far is just, is just a lot better for the opponent uh, when the Spurs are on the road. So uh, at home in the AT&T Center, teams are having an effective field goal percentage of 50.8% against the Spurs' defense. But when the Spurs are on the road, the opponents shoot 55.3% in effective field goal percentage. So again, there's a five point, a 5% increase. And that's huge. Uh, you know, just, just again, telling uh, how teams, how, how the communication's not there for San Antonio, how they're having their issues um, defensively. Surprisingly, the free throw rate um, teams are uh, getting to the foul line more against the Spurs on the, um, at, at home in the AT&T center compared to on the road. So the free throw rate isn't the issue on the road defensively uh, turnover percentage. The Spurs aren't, uh, making teams turn the ball over when, when teams are at home. Um, and again, teams are just having more, more care. Uh, you know, they're, they're just more careful when they're in their own home floor compared to uh, when they're in the AT&T center where the Spurs do see a, a 1% increase in, in making the opponent turn the ball over. And then lastly, uh, offensive rebounding percentage, uh, it, the Spurs uh, are getting teams are grabbing 22.8% of their misses um, at home against the Spurs defense when the Spurs are on the road. So again, more energy and excitement behind your, your home team that seems to be the case as, as other teams are fueled by that and they're grabbing those offensive boards whenever they're missing their shots against the Spurs' defense um, on the uh, road. So even though it's mainly the defense, the, the reason why the Spurs are having these issues, uh, you know, when they go, um, when they travel, I did want to, I just, I want to look at some of the individual player stats and just kind of dive through who are some players that are kind of having their issues in the two different locations um, or, you know, the stark issues. Uh, And these are mainly some offensive stats. And there's two players who stand out right now that I'm seeing uh, according to the data. Um, The first guy, I think everyone can see this based on the eye test and just looking at box scores nightly is LaMarcus Aldridge Um, at home in the AT&T center. He's scoring 19.8 points per game, shooting 43% from the field. However, when he goes on the road, he's only scoring 14.5 points per game, and that, that his field goal percentage drops to 40%. Marco Bellinelli, a guy who comes off the bench for the Spurs, in the AT&T Center, he's scoring a comfortable 12 points per game with 43% uh, accuracy from the floor. However, when he goes on the road, it drops to 8.8 points per game, so under 10 points per game, and that, that accuracy drops almost 10, 11%, uh, 32% on the road. So, so those are two guys where statistically, in terms of scoring, uh, you just see that there's a dramatic difference between being in the AT&T Center at home in front of their fans compared to being on the road uh, in, in, in front of them, you know, the opposing fans and all, you know, everything that's going on in that type of environment. So those are two players to watch, I guess, down the season is Aldridge and Bellinelli in terms of scoring. Now let's look at net rating because this kind of ties in some of the defensive um, part of it. There's a lot of good players for the Spurs um, when they're on the when they're at home. So it's Rudy Gay has a positive net rating. Um, Brent Forbes, Lamarcus Aldridge, Demar Derozan, Marco Bellinelli, Dante Cunningham, and Patty Mills. And again, these are most of their core guys. I'm uh, keeping players like Derek White, 
um, Pau Gasol, Davis Bertans out of this just because they've been dealing with some injuries and they haven't, you know, had as many games uh, played to to accrue that that much data. So now let's look at the road. There's only three players with the positive net rating for the Spurs. Actually, two players. It's only Rudy Gay. Uh, the Spurs are 10.3 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor on the road. So he's 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 basically um, on both ends showing up for the Spurs when he's on the road. And then the other player is Patty Mills, and he's a plus 4.1 points per 100 when he's on the road as well. So that so that tells you right there that most of their core guys aren't playing well when they go on the road. And two of those guys are their their main go-to guys in LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan where they're having their issues on the road uh, in terms of both ends of the floor. So so Rudy Gay's been their constant for them and Patty Mills, but a lot of those other guys do need to step up when they do go on the the road. So uh, I I did want to talk a little bit more about Rudy Gay and LaMarcus in more detail, and that's where I'm going to go to in my third topic. So for the third topic, let's first, uh, you know, I don't want to just, it sounds like almost like I'm just kind of hammering on the Spurs here, just talking about a lot of the negatives. So, so I don't want to be as negative, negative, negative on this, on the Spurs cast. I, I do want to point out some of the positives. And one of those positives is um, Rudy Gay. He's just having, he's having an amazing season early on. The only probably main negative for him has been his injury issues where that heel injury, that right heel injury from last year is back where it's, it's, uh, it's basically kept him out of four games this year and, and coach pop's been very cautious with him where the team's basically saying they might rest him they may not rest him for games and again it's it's, it's just again because they're trying to be uh as prepared as possible to, to not let that that heel injury come back and basically haunt gay again this season how it how it already has kept him out of four games so let's talk about rudy gay here um you know he's basically the third the spurs is third leading scorer uh averaging 14.6 points um, 7.4 rebounds, 1.7 assists, and 1.9 turnovers per game in about 27.2 minutes when he does play. Uh, and, and like I mentioned earlier here, he has played in 12 of their 16 games this season. And, and because of that right heel injury, those are the games that he has missed those four games. So now let's look into some of the numbers where just Gay is playing off the charts. Uh, let's look at his accuracy. So from the mid-range, he's making 49% of his shots which is in the 86th percentile among forwards. That's really good. Uh, from three-point range, he's making 48% of his threes, 90th percentile among forwards, which is elite status right there. So, I mean, it's almost gotten to the point when I watch a game where I, where I think when I see Rudy take a three, especially an uncontested three, I really honestly think it's going in most of the time. It's very, it's very rare that he's missing any wide-open threes that teams are giving him. So he's been, he's been huge for them. Uh, and the thing is, he's been he's been productive in both his roles, whether Coach Pop brings him off the bench or uh, if he starts him like he has been doing recently. Rudy Gay's continuing to hit shots. If there's one little blip in terms of his accuracy, it's at the rim. He's only making 51% of his rim shots, which is uh, in the 15th percentile among forwards. But that's not the shot he takes the most of. It's mostly all mid-range and three-pointers where he's getting a lot of his shots. Some shots from outside of a few um, you know dunk attempts at the rim and maybe a few drives. Uh, let's look at some of the, some of the other numbers. Um, block percentage. He's blocking 1.3 percent of opponent shot attempts, which is a 76 percentile among forwards. You know, another good stat. Rebounding. He's been off the charts again here. Uh, offensive rebounding. He's grabbing 5.7 percent of the Spurs' misses, which is in the 84th percentile among forwards. And then defensive rebounding. He's grabbing 19.6 percent of the of uh, the opponent's misses, which is in the 92nd percentile. Again, elite status for Rudy Gay in terms of crashing the boards. On the court, the Spurs are playing like a 58-win team with him. So when Rudy Gay is on the court right now, according to this efficiency data, the Spurs are playing like a 58-win team with him. 
uh, offensively, when he's on the floor, they, he gives them a plus 4.5 points per 100% uh, boost, not, not percent, uh, points per 100 possessions boost. So basically the Spurs are better statistically that the numbers show with Rudy on the floor, the Spurs' offense sees an increase. Now check out this defensive increase that he has. When he gets on the floor, the opponent is being held to 10.4 points per 100 um, worse, basically because Rudy's on the floor. Where Rudy's when Rudy enters the game and he's on the floor, according to, to the stats, uh, the, the 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 opponent's offense drops by 10.4 points per 100 possessions when Rudy gets out there. So he's having a, a huge impact on both ends of the floor, like I just mentioned. Uh, and again, for 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 the Spurs' um, success long term, they need him out there on the floor, and that's where Coach Pop's having to play that game of kind of you know when do I rest him? When do I when when do I need to be really um, cautious with him? Uh, and of course, Gay says that he's fine right now. But again, you got to watch out with that heel injury to make sure it doesn't come back uh, for him. Because really, it's just it's all about health now for Rudy. Just the way he's playing, he's he's been excellent for the Spurs. And so he's one of the positives of the reasons why I didn't want to just sound real negative on the Spurs cast. I wanted to highlight one of the positives, and that is Rudy. How he's having an incredible season um, early on through about about twelve games basically that he's played in. Now let's go to one of the negatives, and that's topic number four. Um, Topic number four, I'm calling it uh, Aldridge Remains in a Funk. So against the Golden State Warriors on Sunday, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, had 24 points, uh, you know, made 63% of his shots. And after the game, some of his teammates were praising him. DeMar DeRozan said, you know, he got out of his funk. Uh, Bryn Forbes, when we asked him, you know, we asked a few of the players, like specifically Bryn Forbes and DeRozan, you know, was that by design to get LaMarcus going against Golden State? Uh, in the in the post, you know, in the mid range, or was that just him, you know, being more assertive? And and both players said that was all Lamarcus. Nobody was trying to get him involved. He just did it on his own. He says that you know he had been in a bad funk on his own over the last few games, and so he wanted to get out there and really have an impact. And so so you saw that that aggression, that fire kicking right right against really quickly against uh, Golden State. However, something Tom Petrini uh uh posted on Twitter recently was uh you know he he was very suspect of that game against Golden State. Because, uh, you know, against the level of competition that it was, Draymond Green wasn't there. It was mainly Kevon Looney, um, you know, you know, and, and uh, I forgot, I think it's Damian Lee. They had a, they have another big out there, Golden State. But it's somebody that LaMarcus basically had, had a mismatch over and could just easily score over. And you saw that. Whereas when he plays guys like how he did, uh, you know, against uh, the Pelicans and when he has Anthony Davis on the floor, that's a little bit harder for him to have his own way against. And you saw that as he struggled um, to score against Davis and, and the Pelicans and then a few of those other games. So, Overall, it still looks like LaMarcus is in a funk. Here are a few more stats for him. Um, basically, his season, he's averaging 17.1 points per game. Uh, still crashing the boards well, 11.4 rebounds, 2.4 assists, and then two turnovers. Um, basically, he scored below his season average in four of the last five games. And not coincidentally, I mean, a lot of those are, coincidentally, should I say, a lot of those are road games that the Spurs have played in. And in, in those last five games, he's had two single-digit scoring games. Um, you know, basically he had a 27.9 against Houston and then it's kind of fallen apart since then outside of that Golden State game where he's really struggled. Let's go, let's dive deeper into some of this data. Um, there's a stat from cleaning the glass called points per shot attempt, which is just tying in your field goal attempts and your free throw attempts. Now, uh, LaMarcus is only making 93.8, um, 93.8 of his 100 field, uh, points per shot attempts, which is in the seventh percentile among big men, seventh percentile. Um, it, it would be basically, it's his worst ever since, uh, the 16, 17 season with the Spurs, which was his first, 
Um, well, maybe not his first, but anyway, since the 16-17 season with San Antonio, when he when he averaged a 105.8 points per shot attempt, which is in the 27th percentile. So, so statistically, in terms of efficiency from the free throw line and field goal and field goal range, he's having his worst season um, by these numbers. Uh, he's also turning the ball over more than he he, he usually does. Um, he's turning the ball over in 10.4 percent of his of the Spurs' um uh you know possessions, uh, which is in the 70th percentile. So it's not horrible. But it's not LaMarcus-like. LaMarcus is not a guy who, who usually turns the ball over that much. And this season, he is turning it over a little bit more than he usually does. Uh, let's go look at his, his frequency and accuracy of where he shoots from. Again, a lot of these numbers, are he's just having a lot of trouble right now. Uh, from the rim, he takes his most shot attempts, which is 38% of his shots come from the rim. Uh, he's only making 63% of those, which is in the 33rd percentile among big men. Which, if that lasted a whole season, that would be a career worst. From the long mid-range, which is shots outside of 14 feet, he's shooting 31% of his shots. So that's where that's where the second most um, percent of his shots come from. Uh, he's only making 31% of those, which is in the 30th percentile among big men. Again, another stat that would be career worst in terms of accuracy if that stands. From the short mid-range, shots um, just outside of four, 4 feet to about 14 feet, he's shooting 29% of his shots. And he's only making 32% of those shots, which is in the 44th percentile. Again, if that if that holds, that's going to be another career worst for LaMarcus and accuracy from that range. And then lastly, he's only taking 2% two, two of his shots have been from three-point range, and he hasn't made one this season. So, I mean, that's just not a shot that he goes to. Um, now, Tom Petrina and I kind of spent a lot of time last week on this topic with LaMarcus, and I think a lot of people, you know, fans, uh, media, we're, we're all kind of talking about this just because – I'm going to get into some of the numbers in a little bit, but you know, the effort's still there. He's still hustling on, on defense. He's hustling and rebounding um, and trying to get to the free throw line. Those stats are all there. He's still trying. It's not like he's just checked out, but again, it's just his accuracy. is just not there in, in terms of the three levels from the floor where he shoots from. And, and that's having a huge impact on him getting going scoring. And um, you know, a lot of that could be tied to some of the theories that Tom and I, um, you know, discussed last week, which is maybe because now he's playing more traditional five, um, against certain matchups like a Hassan Whiteside against a, an Anthony Davis. He's just not having that way against those type of players. So he really needs to get a lot of his efficiency from the mid-range. And if that shot's not going in, he's having a lot of trouble scoring, um, you know, with, with, with his um, fadeaways off, off post-ups or, or just trying to, to, to work around the rim, as I, as I mentioned to you, how his, uh, his accuracy at the rim is, is one of his career worst uh, so far to start this season. So really, it's just about the scoring part that Lamarcus is having his issues with this season to start the year. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, he he's still pr- providing a lot more um, you know success for the Spurs in, in other areas of the floor. So let's get into the, some of those areas. Um, in terms of drawing f- uh, floor fouls, this is from Cleaning the Glass. Floor fouls drawn percentage. Um, he's he's four point four percent of his fouls are being drawn from the floor, and that's in the ninety first ninety first percentile. So that's before he goes up for a shot. He's getting fouled a lot, and he's 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 one of the main big men, elite basically, getting fouled in that area, um, which it would be a career best if that holds, according to Cleaning the Glass. Um, block percentage. He's blocking one point eight percent of um, opponents' field goal attempts, which is in the fifty fifth percentile. So I'd say about just slightly above league average. So he's he's okay there. Foul percentage. Surprisingly, he's only fouling on 2.1% of the Spurs' fouls, uh, team fouls, which is in the 100th percentile, basically elite category among big men. This would be a career best. So as much as he's the, he's the five now, he's the go-to guy, the anchor down low, he's doing it at a great at a great rate in terms of not fouling opponents, not, not racking up fouls for being the lone big man down there under the under the rim. 
And then rebounding, he's doing well as well. Offensive rebounding, he's grabbing 10.4% of the Spurs misses, which is in the 73rd percentile. Defensive rebounding, he's grabbing 21% of the, of the opponent misses, which is in the 68th percentile. So he's he's still you know crashing the boards, and he's showing that, that level of effort there. Now, as much as doom and gloom it looks like for LaMarcus in terms of scoring the ball, the Spurs are still they still need him. Even even at the at the production that he's he's providing for them right now, they're still better with him on the floor, um, according to all these different um, stats and and, and data. Uh, basically, he's providing ten extra wins for them when he's on the floor. Um, they're basically like a thirty nine uh, win team with him on the floor. They still need him offensively. They see a four, you know, as bad as he's shooting and everything. There's actually there's still four points per one hundred possessions better offensively when he's on the floor, and then defensively, uh, they're basically almost the same. They're they're plus uh, defense opposing teams are scoring zero point two points per 100 so basically that level of defense that the Spurs have as a team that's basically staying the same uh with LaMarcus on the floor so uh you know it just shows that you know as bad as he's playing offensively in terms of scoring the ball they're still it's still a positive to have him on the floor so so that just tells you that if he can get it together get the scoring part get his mid-range jumper going find um different ways to score around the rim around that that short mid-range that four foot area if he can find better shot attempts uh, that this offense can see a little bit more of a boost because they are missing Lamarcus's scoring. And as I mentioned in the earlier portion about the road woes, it would be great to have him to to get him going on the road because he Demar you know definitely needs help on the road. Rudy Gay needs help. They can't be having Lamarcus scoring 14 points a game on the road like he's been doing uh, so far to start the year. So so again that's on that's on Lamarcus uh, why he still remains in a funk. We'll see how how he progresses as uh, the season continues um, going forward. Moving on to topic number five, uh, it's just this is more of a short topic. It's just a minor, minor, um, I guess news. I guess uh, the Spurs on Tuesday signed Ben Moore to their their second available two way contract. So just some quick background on Moore. He's a six eight forward, um, undrafted in twenty seventeen out of SMU. He was playing with the Pacers this year. He never actually got into an NBA game, but and he was waived on November third. But he has played in four G League games with the Fort Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Where he's averaged, uh, he averaged 20 points and 6.8 rebounds in four games in the G League. Uh, he also has ex- some experience playing alongside Derek White. Both of them were selected for the Team USA qualify- World Cup qualifying team back in September. So, so he spent some time under Coach Van Gundy and, and was teammates with Derek White. So, uh, as far as his impact, I don't, you know, initially I don't think that he's going to make his way up to the to the to the NBA level unless you know somebody gets hurt. Or, or um, you know, the Spurs are resting some players. I could see him being an extra body for them to have it on the wing. Um, or if somebody like Quincy Pondexter ever gets waived, or if he just starts, you know, you know, playing so badly in his minutes that that Coach Pop needs another another player out there in terms of of, of some depth at the wing. I think that they would call up um, uh, Ben Moore. But for right now, I don't see him having a huge impact early on with with the actual San Antonio Spurs, even though he does have up to forty five days where they can bring him along to the NBA level before they have to turn his contract into um, a full NBA contract. So that's some of the, the latest news on Ben Moore uh, signing with the Spurs on their second two-way contract. And now the last the last uh, topic is kind of just previewing the next uh, five upcoming games but, uh, for the Spurs. Uh, so let's go ahead and begin with uh, the, the most the most recent one, probably on the one the one that's on the day that you're listening to the Spurs cast, which is Wednesday. So, so Wednesday, uh, which would be... November 21st, the Spurs host the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies, um, I'm going to read basically the, the, the team's home and road records, uh, depending on the, where the location of this game is. So the Grizzlies on the road, they are 4-4 four and four this year. 
Uh, offensively on the road, they're scoring. They're number twenty-six ranked, uh, scoring one hundred and two point four points per one hundred. Defensively on the road, they're number seven, one hundred six point five points per one hundred. Um, I'm going to actually take, even though I know Memphis coming in as I'm recording this on a uh, what is tonight Tuesday night. This is a Tuesday night that I'm recording this. The Grizzlies are, are tied for the best record in the league at this time. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Spurs in this one. Again, I'm, I'm looking at those numbers where I, I do see San Antonio having a better defense uh, in, at home. They're just a lot more comfortable. You can just tell by their body language, by their communication. Uh, they have more of a swagger to them um, here in San Antonio at the AT&T Center. So I'm going to go ahead and predict that the Spurs win this one against the Grizzlies on Wednesday night. Then on Friday, uh, the Spurs travel to Indiana where they, they're going to play the Pacers. The Pacers are 6-3 and three at home. At home, they're number 23 on offense, 106.5 points per 100. But defensively, they're the best team in terms of um, home defense, uh, holding teams to 97.7 points per 100. Uh, we've already seen the, the, the Pacers beat the Spurs by, by double digits in, in San Antonio. So I'm going to go ahead and take Indiana in that game at home on Friday night uh, in Indiana. Then on Saturday, the Spurs have their third back-to-back set uh, where they're going to travel to Milwaukee and play the Bucks on Saturday night. The Bucks are just a monster at home. They're eight and one at home. They're their third best offense at home, one hundred seventeen point one points per one hundred. They're the fourth best defense at home, one hundred one point five points per one hundred. Um, I, I just don't see the Spurs having the firepower to keep up with Milwaukee, especially with how bad the Spurs' road defense is. Um, so I'm going to take Milwaukee in that game. Then on Monday, the Spurs travel to Chicago, where they're going to play the Bulls. The Bulls are not very good at home or away, uh, according to the, to the records. But it, remember what happened with Phoenix. So the Bulls are 2-7 and seven at home. Offensively at home, they're number 28, 103 points per 100. Defensively, they're number 29, 114.1 points per 100. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the Spurs in this one. I just I, I think San Antonio, even though their defense is bad, uh, you know, on the road, I still think they'll be okay in Chicago. But again, you have to be very weary with this Spurs team because of how, how they lost that game against the Suns. So I'm, I'm taking San Antonio on Monday night in Chicago. And then lastly... Uh, the Spurs are playing Wednesday at Minnesota next Wednesday, a week from now. Uh, and the, the Wolves are 7-2 and two at home, so they're pretty good at home. Offensively, the Wolves are number 18, uh, scoring 109.2 points per, per 100 at home. And then defensively, their league average, number 15 at home, uh, 107.4 points per 100. This one I had a lot of trouble with. I, I know that the Spurs got their first win against a weird Minnesota team early in the season because that was at the time when Jimmy Butler wanted out, even though Butler did play. And the Wolves have been playing a little bit better with, with Butler now traded. And, and you know, their, their team kind of finally started to ease down and everyone knows their roles and more so. I think I'll probably be wrong, but we'll see. I'm going to go ahead and take San Antonio on this one. I, I just feel like the Spurs have a little bit more more firepower. The Wolves aren't great uh, in offense or defense, even at home. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and go with San Antonio in this one. Uh, you know, I, I might I might be wrong. Who knows? So um, I'm projecting in the next um, five games for the Spurs for them to go three and two as far as my project, my, my projection or my, my prediction um, for them. We'll see how they do. Uh, and then I'll probably record sometime next week after Thursday, just cause the Spurs have, have so many games, uh, you know, coming up. Um, thank you for bearing with me through this, this Spurs cast episode 518. I know I, I might talk a little fast. It's hard for me to breathe whenever I'm, I'm just the only person on this episode. So if you, if you need to, you might be able to just slow down the, the speed, um, and listen to it at a, at a slower speed. Um, just a quick few, few quick promotional, um, uh, topics before before I end this episode. Uh, continue checking ProjectSpurs.com. Steven Anderson's uh, three standout players pieces are still going up after each Spurs game. Um, I had a recent um, piece on um, 
on Jakob Pertl, where it was called with Gasol out, Jakob Pertl makes most of his minutes. So that's just looking at how Pertl, in terms of crashing crashing the boards um, and, and guarding, um, helping the Spurs' three-point defense is playing pretty well right now in, in those minutes while Pau Gasol is out. But I, I do feel that once Pau gets completely healthy, he's going to get his job back as far as being the backup five behind LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, Tom Petrini had a, had a really in-depth piece called Solving Popovich's Personnel Puzzle. So that's where Tom looks at a lot of the different lineups that Pop's using and, and puts some suge- suggestions in as to some, some lineups that Mike may, that might help out a little bit more. So that's up on Project Spurs by Tom Petrini. Uh, as far as how the draft's coming along, um, check out Ben Ben Bornstein's uh, Spurs Prospect Watch on Chris Wilkes. So again, Ben's continued to keep our draft prospects going for the Spurs, uh, and his latest player is Chris Wilkes. And then lastly, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. For myself and all the Project Spurs team, um, have a great holiday week. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great, have a great Thanksgiving and holiday. Week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.